Should Utah be the favorite in the Pac-12 to repeat as the conference champion? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown YouTube your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. My name is JT Wistia, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're going to be talking about if Utah should be the favorite to repeat as Pac-12 champions, also taking a look at their schedule compared to the other schedules of the top teams in the conference. And in order to help us do all of that, we had to bring on our resident expert on the Conference of Champions, and it's the host of Lockdown Pac-12, Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer, appreciate you joining us with your nice banner in the background as well, I might add. Exactly. And, uh, when, yeah, when it comes to this question, should Utah be the favorite to repeat as Pac-12 champions? My heart tells me, yes, they've won it back-to-back years, right? Like they're returning their starting quarterback. They get one of the best tight ends back. They return so much production on offense, especially after the addition of Makai Bernard announcing he's transferring, basically just coming back to Utah. I mean, that was huge news. You uh, Defensively, you get a lot of these guys who were – kind of young last year getting more snaps so from that standpoint it's like yes they should be the favorite but then i also think like there's not been many teams to go repeat as as conference champions in general it's just extremely hard to do and you look at how it played out for utah last year they struggled in some of their bigger games on the road if we're being honest and look they they had to backdoor their way in the pac-12 championship i think in some ways that was what it was a little disappointing about last season was they were expected to be the top team in the conference like have their ticket punch march through we knew there'd be a couple losses but the way they came in a lot of ways, like a second half at Oregon, we only score three points are really disheartening. So yeah, when it comes to this, I am really torn, but if I had, I'll go with my mind and say they should not be the true favorites just for the simple fact of it's so hard to repeat. And the schedule is brutal as we're going to get into even more in the second segment. Yeah. I, I think you have to start with, you can't really be the favorite when you're trying to do something that no one has done before. That doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't mean yeah. it can't be done you know Utah gets slept on time and time again as a program because it's kind of their MOs to just mm-hmm. operate in in the shadows and then you wake up and realize oh my gosh they've won back-to-back conference championships and only uh, two other programs have done that that being Oregon and Stanford so I, I think when you look at what what Utah's got ahead of them in in 2023 that challenge in and of itself is indeed immensely difficult but even if you wipe away the non-conference schedule which technically speaking doesn't matter yeah like it like for this particular question it doesn't matter sure, for college football one and two their first Pac-12 championship exactly it doesn't necessarily matter you'd like to at least be two and one and have mm-hmm. some momentum yes. going into conference play I think in in that realm it matters but we have seen teams start slow and then kind of turn it around. Oregon State very nearly did that last year. They lost, I think, their first two conference games playing uh, USC and Utah, and then they only lost one yeah. the, the the rest of the way. So it, it does matter how your schedule shapes out. And the Utah schedule, at least it starts at home, just talking about yeah. the conference <laughs> slate, but their road games are just brutal. You've mm-hmm. either got a brutal team – or a brutally tough team, and or a really tough environment when when you look at their conference schedule. You've got at Oregon State, 
That is not an easy place to win. You well, we lost there last time. <laughs> exactly. And the only team to win there in the last two years has been USC. Mm-hmm. And they should have lost that yes. game. Like, that's an immensely tough place to play. I think they'll be fine against UCLA because they're at home and because I think UCLA pulls back at least a little bit this year. But then your your next road game in conference is at USC. And then your next one is at Washington. And then you have to play Oregon sandwiched in between there. So when you're talking about, you know, the old Pac-12 North and South, and that does still factor into scheduling, you can still talk about it in, in the mindset of, well, who do you miss and who do you hit? Having to play all three of Oregon, Washington, Oregon State out of the North and not missing any of them is a brutal break for the Utes. And then you factor in that you have to play two of those three on the road. There's a path for Utah to get to the Pac-12 championship game. And once you get there, of course, anything could happen. You can win. But, man, I, I I just struggle to see how without extreme carnage, which is possible, by the way, this is the Pac-12 after all, without extreme carnage in the conference slate, Utah is able to get back in. And they kind of got some help, you know, in the last week of the regular season to get there this year. But I think even going 7-2 and here is going to be, I think it's going to be really, really difficult because... I see I see five games on there that you could realistically see Utah losing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. UCLA, Oregon State, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Those are games where if I told you right now Utah loses, you'd say, yeah, yeah I, could, I, I could see mm-hmm. that happening. So you're not going to win all of them, and you basically have to go 4-1 and one against those opponents, and I think that's really tough. And then you even get the swing teams at the end of the season, right? Where it's like, we still don't even know, like, at that point, what is Arizona going to look like? What is Colorado going to look like? Those, those are ones, too. Like, it's not like if you told me going into last season, like, that we would lose to Colorado, I'd be like, well, there's no way. Obviously, I'd laugh at that. This year, I'm not going to laugh at that. I don't think we're going to lose to Colorado. But if you're telling me it happens, it's not like I'm falling back into my chair. Like, think it's the craziest yeah. thing ever. So that's where and, and And one other thing on the yeah. north-south scheduling issue, or not issue, but situation, mm-hmm. The teams that Utah's missing out of the North this year, Stanford, who's going to stink, might be yeah. the worst team in the conference, and that unless Troy Taylor's a genius, and then Washington State, who they would have played at home, mm-hmm. like that—that that is, yeah. When, when a team that is at its best, really consistently, middle of the conference, the better of the two teams that you're missing on that swing. It's just a tough scheduling year. And everybody has these breaks. It's not yeah. as if this is the Pac-12 screwing Utah or the mm-hmm. Utes are, you know, just, it's just the, it's the cycle. It's the way it goes. And it's unlucky for Utah this year. I, I think they've got a really, really difficult path forward. They really do. And honestly, it's, what's crazy is because then I'm trying to think, okay, so if not Utah, who would be the next favorite? As I just stare at the schedule of pack that every Pac-12 team has to face, it's just tough for everyone. I mean, I look at Oregon. They got to play Washington, Utah, USC, Oregon State too, USC, their last three games. I mean, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, even Washington ending with USC, Utah, Oregon State, and then the Apple Cup. Like, I just it is a tough slate for every single team. I think if I had to I mean, it feels like USC will probably end up being the favorite to do it, but just because of the way their season ends, it makes me nervous to be like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to be Pac-12 champs. But if you had to do a favor going into the season, I feel like it would probably be USC. But even that, I don't feel good about it. I don't, I don't, I don't feel good at all about a team in the Pac-12 
making the college football playoff next year because I don't see anyone making it out of Pac-12 play, and maybe somehow one of these teams makes it as a one-loss um, conference champion. But even that is just really hard for me to see, Spencer. But, yeah, who do you feel like the favorite is? <sighs> I, I don't think there's a clear favorite. Yeah. I, I, I really don't. I, I would – perhaps lean USC because they've got the best player in college football and they've got a really, really great coach, but I don't think Utah's that scared of USC no, right now, yeah, nor, nor, nor should they be. Mm-hmm. And I think you can really make an argument for any of those teams, but it, you really do have to, because it's so competitive and the teams have been so good and continue, I, I think in many ways to improve. I think you do have to factor in the schedules and USC from the outset may be one of those teams you look at and say, Oh, they could easily do it. Look at their schedule. Yeah. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. They've got Utah and UCLA since they're formerly of the PAC 12 South, but then they have to play Oregon and Washington too. Uh-huh. I, I believe they miss Oregon state, which is kind of their only break, but yep. I, I, I just look at what, what they have to go through there. You know, Notre Dame doesn't factor into PAC 12 play, but it, it, it's hard to pick. Especially the time it comes out. favorite. Season. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's the other thing that you have to look at with these schedules is when do you play that team? Mm-hmm. Do you open with, I mean, UCLA opening conference play at Utah is about as rude of an introduction to the 2023 college football season you can get and whether or not you want to interpret that as a jab from the commissioner's office at, Hey, thanks for disrupting our conference, by the way, you think whatever you'd like. I don't think it's that out of the realm of possibility personally. Yeah. So I, I like, I don't think it's a coincidence. UCLA starts there and USC has got a really difficult schedule. Hmm. hmm yeah. I wonder. <laughs> it's like something like with Utah, I think it's just bad luck. LA schools. Yes. Mm, yeah, maybe not. Uh, and some things maybe worked out on that front for the conference too. But I, I really just, you have to break down the schedules, but it's just hard to see a team going through an entire schedule and just having one loss. Because yeah. then if you're talking about, well, could a team get into the playoff? You can only have one loss in the entire season because we're at four teams going into 2023. So I I think it's darn near impossible for a team to to get through that. Like, is USC really going to beat Oregon, Washington, Utah, UCLA, and Notre Dame and only only lose one? Are they going to lose to just one of those teams? I I don't see it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. And we've been talking about these schedules a little bit. We're going to talk about who has the toughest schedule. And if it is Utah in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sorts super easy and fun. You can download FanDuel now so you can get bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid in your winnings instantly. Feel free to add the FanDuel app. It's super easy to sign up on and join. So join the FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweats first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Spencer. Does Utah have the toughest schedule in the Pac-12 is the question. And I think when you look in totality, if we're just starting there, if we're including non-conference slates, then it is a resounding yes, because there are no two non-conference games as tough as Florida and then going to Baylor to me. There are other tough games. I mean, Deion Sanders, Colorado, they got to take on TCU, right? That's not going to be easy. Getting Notre Dame in the middle of the season for USC, that's very hard. But even when you look at the other ones, I mean, the only other one to me that plays two non-conference like 
really strong uh, or power five programs is look TCU Nebraska, but I don't think Nebraska is going to be very good in Matt Rule's first year. I think they'll be fun, interesting, but I don't think they're going to be making noise in the Big Ten by any stretch of the imagination. So I think we already just went through all the tough, tough games in Utah schedule. When you start with Florida Baylor, um, yes, you get UCL at home, but going to Oregon State, going to USC, going to Washington, and then all these other fun swing teams that could make things interesting. To me, top to bottom, Utah does have the toughest schedule of any Pac-12 team. It's certainly up there. I, I think that's a pretty hard case to argue, but you have to put USC back in that conversation yep. if you're going to talk about the entire season and who's got the toughest schedule in in the conference here in, in 2023 because for for USC, you have to remember that they always play Notre Dame, and this year they have to go at Notre Dame. And yep. look, Notre Dame was – not that good last year. By the time USC played them, they had improved dramatically. If they continue along that trend, and I think they've upgraded a quarterback going yeah. from Drew Pine, who's now at Arizona State, to Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest transfer. I think there's at least mm-hmm. a, a slight jump forward in, in that respect. But Marcus Freeman seemed to really get his feet under him. As the year went on, they ended up as a nine-win team. So at the very least, they're going to be a respectable opponent. And you have to go to South Bend. So that makes it pretty tough for for Utah to say they're clearly above USC on the schedule front. They do have Utah and Washington at, at home. And I think when you look at their conference road games, I, I think that's where Utah's schedule is tougher yeah. than the Trojans because USC goes at ASU, at Colorado, at Cal, and at Oregon. Three of those games, they're going to be probably a double-digit favorite. Mm-hmm. So at Oregon, they're probably – either a single uh, you know, field goal or less favorite or an underdog going to Austin Stadium. So that's certainly a difficult game. I, I, I think that that's the balance. And you can, again, argue it either way. You know, Is it Utah's because they have tougher conference road games? Or is it USC because they play a stronger depth of teams and you have the Notre Dame factor in there too? But I don't think Florida and at Baylor is any easier. And, and in fact, I think on the whole, it's probably a touch harder combined than than USC's non-conference slate. I think that USC has the tougher individual non-conference game going at Notre Dame, but I think when you look at their three out-of-conference matchups as a whole, you would give the nod in terms of which schedule is tougher to Utah because you have to go at Baylor, which I do think is going to be a good team mm-hmm. and was at least solid this year. They weren't great, but they were solid. Yeah. And ho- season top 10. Exactly. And, and hosting hosting Florida. Wait, Baylor's top 10? No, they start last season top oh, 10. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. No, 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 I was like, man, that, that'd be that'd be quite a that'd be yeah. quite a, quite, a, quite a move for Dave Aranda's squad. But yeah. I, I expect Baylor to be a bounce back and be at yeah. least a 7-8 win t- at least a 7-8 win team in in the Big 12 this year if they can get better production out of the the, the quarterback position. Going to Waco early in the year, you're going to have a ruckus crowd, you're going to have awesome. you know a, a yeah, a big a big environment down there. And the other thing too is when you look at uh, I'm pulling up Baylor's schedule right right now because I want to see who they play in uh, that that first week. As you pull um, that up, I will say this: just before I came out to Utah, for everyone who's listening, I used to play. I used I played football and just went to school in Texas. Um, 
August is no joke in Texas, early September, no joke in <laughs> September. Um, I still remember my first practice. I thought I wasn't going to make it out alive. So that's it's a, a tough one. But you, thankfully, Utah, a lot of those guys got experience with dealing with that Florida humidity. So I, I think they'll be at least okay. It's not like, oh, it's going to be the worst thing ever. But it's, it's going to be pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, they play Texas State first week. So they're going to have an easy win. They'll have gotten all the kinks out. And Utah will be coming off what I, I expect will be a win, but probably more hard fought yes. against Florida. So I, I bring that up to say that's a Baylor team that is going to have the confidence, energy, excitement, and anticipation of competing for a conference championship. And that is much different than, you know, playing teams at a different point in the season when, you know, all hope has has kind of been lost, so to speak. I, I think, you know, you look at a team like Arizona State last year, playing them early in the season probably wasn't quite as the same, quite the same as playing them by the time week eight or nine had rolled around. Mm-hmm. Herm Edwards, of course, wasn't there, but I think it's just a different mood uh, yes. around the program a- as well. So I think you factor all that in. You, it's either Utah or, or USC. I don't think Washington's is exactly what you'd call a cupcake no, uh, of, of a schedule. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, everybody's got, because of the strength of the league, a number of challenges uh-huh. on, on on their on their schedule, and Washington's non conference is pretty solid too. They host Boise and they go at Michigan State in addition yeah. to to playing Tulsa, but they've really got you know two tough road games in in conference, and they only play four games uh, in in conference away from home as well. So I, I put Washington probably a notch below what uh, what Utah and USC are dealing with. Yeah, it's yeah, it really does feel like it comes down to those three, though. I totally agree with you. And USC, Utah, Washington, especially when we're zeroing on Pac-12 play. As I mentioned, in totality, I feel like Utah's is the toughest. You may make a great argument for USC being in that conversation, too. But then when you really lock in on Pac-12 play, I mean, those are definitely the three. Because Utah, top to bottom, I think when you talk about some of those road games, like just start to finish, when you talk about going to Oregon State, going to USC, going to Washington, those are tough. But Utah's final two games, going to Arizona, going to Colorado, um, Colorado coming to them, those, I mean, they could be tough matchups because we still don't know what those teams are going to look like, but they're not as brutal as, let's say, what Washington has, where Washington, yes, they get to host Utah, but before that, they have to go to USC, and then after they host the Utah, they have to take out Oregon State, and then Washington State comes to them, so rivalry game, you don't know what can happen there. USC's end of the season schedule, I mean, who cares about a bye in the final week when you go Washington, Oregon, and UCLA before that, and I would rather play US, UCLA early on, like we're going to get them, as they're still working everything out with a new quarterback coming in there, too, than getting them late in the season, so I, I think... I think if you're going overall, like if I could trade schedules, like there are definitely other teams I would want. If I had to pick the toughest schedule to me, as much as the road games like still are a factor in, I actually think for just the Pac-12 slate, I think USC has the toughest just because of that stretch of where you're looking at it of even the Colorado, Arizona, as we said, swing teams, Notre Dame, going to Notre Dame. I mean, and then you get Utah. Yes, Cal's not great, but a stretch of Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA with Cal, the short breakup before those three tough stretches at the end. To me, that's why I do think USC has the toughest Pac-12 schedule in and of itself. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a number of good points in there. You know, playing tough opponents is always going to happen in in conference play, but when you play them and how frequently you play them also plays into that. Look at Oregon's schedule in 2022. They had the eight-game winning streak, you know, six of which were against conference opponents, but then they lost two of their last three because it was Utah, or sorry, it was Washington, Utah, and Oregon State all in a row. Yeah. And I think no matter what team you are, if you're going to contend for a conference championship, you are trying 
to look at a schedule in the more favorable sense that would have, like if you're going to play Washington, Utah, Oregon State, you'd like to play Utah, then maybe Colorado, then Washington, then have a bye, then play Oregon State, you know, something of, of that nature where you're not stacking tough opponents because it, it, it can wear you out physically, but it can wear you out mentally as well. And the sorts of, you know, stops and uh, wrinkles in your offense that you can pull out from, from week to week, just ha- having the time to prepare for those teams and, you know, see more film on them or see what they did. Like, it, it just helps. And, and I think that that's another thing that you got to factor in in these uh, conference schedule conversations. Yeah, absolutely. It's to be talked about, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see it all, how it all plays out. And one of the things that makes this so exciting is all the returning players you have, some of the incoming transfers, too. It just speaks to the overall state of what college football looks like at this moment. We're going to come back and talk about that state of college football in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times for UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest-growing cities in the state. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and UCC's brand-new interactive telemachines, or ITMs for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or from right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch and it'll win a 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times 4 UTV. Winners will be announced in April just in time for summer fun. Stop by UCC's new branch in Vineyard, conveniently located next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf to enter or enter at uccu.com you don't even have to be a member to enter at uccu so there is no and there's no purchase necessary either so uccu love where you bank make sure you guys head over there and cash in on this great offer from our friends at uccu all right spencer to close this one out looking just overall at the pac-12 what is the reason we're all excited about these games it's because of how many players are coming back i mean the talent the quarterback position in the conference is my goodness, it's just incredible. This <laughs> is bonkers, man. Yeah, bonkers. I mean, yeah. And then when you factor in, like, Utah is lucky, right? Because they get Mackay Bernard back, Brant Keithy back, Devon Bailey back. Like, all these fun players coming back for them that are going to be big parts of this team's identity in 2023. It really does just speak to the state of college football. I just think if we weren't at the point where we get so wrapped up in the negatives of the transfer portal and some of the NIL, I think a lot of people do. This is the part that's really exciting about it is that you get all these talented players coming back. I'm I'm really excited. We get another year of cam rising rather than see him go fight for a practice squad spot in, in the NFL. Same thing where Bo Nix is maybe a backup. If he goes, Michael Penix is maybe fighting for a job somewhere. I mean, I, I don't know where his kind of draft stock ended up landing, but either way, it's just really exciting. Then you get transfer guys coming over like Shador Sanders. Then of course you look at GJ, Uyunglele coming in. I think this is the positive part about the standpoint we're in in college football right now is that you get so much talent coming back and it gives the opportunity for these players to lengthen their careers a little bit, maximize their talents. And all it does is make for must see TV next season. Yeah. I don't think you can discount the NIL factor here for a guy like Bo Nix, for instance, I think, a couple years ago, before he was legally, anyway, allowed to uh, make money, I don't have any inside information there. I'm just making a general general statement, but everybody knows what's going what's yeah. going on here. So, I think a couple of years ago, before he was allowed to really increase his earning potential at it while he's still in college, I think that's a guy who would maybe go to the NFL. He just completed over seventy percent of his passes, was in the Heisman conversation until he got hurt was you know putting Oregon in a position to be in the college football playoff like th- there were a lot of great things happening good bowl game performance too right good bowl game performance like everything was looking like 
you know, a couple of years ago, it would have been a guy who would say, yeah, I, I want to go make some money. Even if I'm a backup or a third string somewhere, I, I'm going to make high hundred thousands of dollars. Well, now you can get quite a bit of money through through NIL. So those sorts of players come back. I think that applies to Michael Penix too, whose draft stock is as high as it has ever been. Same for wow. Bo Nix. I mean, they were literally in the same position. And I really do question, you know, for all the hate that NIL takes, I think pretty fairly for the most part, I get frustrated mm-hmm. with a lot of yes. it. It does provide these sorts of opportunities for, for us as fans to see these players stay a little bit longer. So I, I enjoy that component of it. But you, you hit the nail on the head. The quarterback play in the Pac-12 in 2023 is going to be ridiculous. I mean, we don't know how well Shadur Sanders is going to mm-hmm. make the jump from FCS to FBS. It's always a question. Cam Ward was able to do it, I'd say, fairly successfully. But yeah. given what his ceiling is, I think as a quarterback prospect, I don't think he hit that in year one. So let's say Shadur Sanders is a capable quarterback, but doesn't maximize his full potential. Yeah. Has some, some ups and downs and whatnot. Let's say he's Cam Ward from a year ago, which I think is pretty darn possible. I I think they're kind of similar players in in Mm -hmm. a number of ways. So if that's what your seventh best quarter, eighth, yeah, I mean. that's, that's like your seventh or eighth best quarterback legitimately. And it's not that he's not a solid player. It's that I've seen Cam Rising go first team all pack 12 He's above him. Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, those guys are in the upper echelon. Then you kind of supplement that with guys like Cam Ward, Jaden Delora yeah. down at, at Arizona. Like you just go across DJ, the board. Yep. DJU now at, at Oregon State. I think he's a little bit of a question mark in terms of mm-hmm. how we'll view him by the end of the year, but we know he's capable of having big games. He just needs to be able to to work away from the, the mistakes that led him to being benched several times while he was at Clemson. I think Oregon State's a great opportunity for that. And then you look at what Cal has done, adding Sam Jackson from TCU, who was a guy they were interested in for sure, but just fell a little bit too far down the depth chart. He presents an entirely new dynamic at the quarterback position, potentially for the Golden Bears. Like that... That could be your number 10 quarterback, but he could still be able to make plays. He could still be, at the very least, competent and explosive and mobile, the the likes of which Cal just hasn't seen. So I I think that it's such a deep league. And, you know, when when the L.A. schools leave, I think some people will see it as, oh, man, is this the demise of the conference? But I think other programs are going to look at it and go, phew, now we have a chance to compete in what is still a really, really solid conference because – I, I like Jaden Delora. He's mistake prone, but he's highly productive. I think he was one of the 10 most productive passers statistically in the country a, a year ago, something on in, in that sort of range. So I, I think he's, you know, a, a good player. And when he's really in your second tier of quarterbacks, then you're, you're doing well as a league. I, I totally agree. And I feel like you mentioned, yes, you, the USC and UCLA leaving hurts the conference, but Utah's program is in a great position. Washington in a great position. Oregon in a great position. Oregon State on the rise. Arizona on the rise. Colorado on the rise. I even feel like Arizona State, not right away, but I feel like eventually they'll be a team too where we're looking like, and they'll be on the rise too. So yeah, I, I think I think ASU will take a year or two. They've brought Definitely. in a lot of transfers, not a lot of highly rated transfers, but a mm-hmm. lot of new players. So I think at the very least, you'll have a schematical upgrade with Kenny Dillingham there at at the helm. And they brought in Brian Ward from Washington State to be the D.C. Comes from yeah. a very good defensive mind and Jake Dicker. I, I liked that hire a lot. I, I just think they need a, a at least a couple of years to be sure. more competitive so. mm-hmm. to to bring in some some more talent on that front. The, the two teams 
that are kind of you know closer to the bottom than they are the top I'm most interested to see this year are Arizona and Cal. Neither team is going to be a disaster in 2023. I really I really don't see that. I don't think anyone's going to be an abject disaster. I don't think there's a Colorado in the conference, you know, Stanford yes. could be close to it. They could be a two or three win team, but I, I don't think they're just a one win team. I don't, I don't think they're mm. that bad. And Cal, Cal was close against USC. They were close with Oregon for a half. They were close with UCLA at the end. I, I they just don't feel like a program that has a very high ceiling. But I don't think their floor is that low. And Arizona went one win, five wins. What's the next? Is there a next step? What's the yeah. next step? Do they get to bowl eligibility? Like there are just a lot of factors that that play in with both of those programs that make them intriguing follows this year amongst a bevy of great storylines in the conference. It's a ton of storylines. Going to be a lot of fun to keep following and keeping up with it all. If you guys want to hear more about the Conference of Champions, make sure you guys head over to Locked On Pac-12 and give at Smalls underscore fifty five a follow. Support the flag. Hanging from the door. <laughs> Got to support the flag. Which is a literal flag, by the way, not a banner. That is a flag that I've modified to fit just like that. But it's literally a flag meant to be put on you know, a pole in the front yard. But we don't have that sort of thing, yeah. nor did I have a use for it. So respect the flag. Respect, respect the, flag. the flag. And hey, that people, hopefully people next year will be respected the Pac-12 flag. Honestly, I, I, I have heard a lot of chatter on national football shows pertaining to the, the college level. People who know the sport, they're excited to watch the Pac-12, yes. and they should be. It's going to be a blast. Are they going to get to the playoff? Probably not, which means they probably won't win a national championship. But my goodness, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we'll have a lot more football to break down on Locked On Utes and Locked On Pac-12. But also, it's still college basketball season, so make sure you guys check out the brand-new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, for your second listen. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate Spencer for joining us, as always. Thank you guys for listening to Locked On Utes, and we'll be back with you next week.